Welcome to Can They Do That? brought to you by Scott Law Team, the employment law firm. We are excited to discuss recent employment issues and events that affect your everyday life. Keep in mind this podcast is educational and is not a substitute for legal advice or professional consultation. If you need help, you can reach us at scottlawteam.com. I'm Corey Sabin, marketing strategist, joined by Gabe Roberts. Gabe, how you doing? I'm doing well, Corey. How are you? I'm doing great. Today, I want to talk about an issue that many employers and employees are dealing with, mm-hmm. and that's marijuana. Some people have medical cards. Some employers not happy about that. Yeah. So as an employee, what should you know if you have a medical marijuana card and you're trying to get employment? Yeah, it's a good question. Um I think the first thing to know is that it's still legal in Florida for your employer to require drug tests, whether you're applying for a job or while you're on the job. Um, but if they do request a drug test and you have a medical card, it's you should let them know before going into testing because that may trigger some protections on your behalf in, in that area. So if you have this medical marijuana card and hypothetically you have anxiety, mm-hmm. you tell the employer you have the card, but then the employer fires you. Mm-hmm. Do you have a recourse? Potentially. So it's important to first note under Florida's medical marijuana statute, the your employer does not have to, you know, basically give you the right to be high at work is a, a nice way to put it. Um, the statute's really clear about basically exempting any sort of employers from liability if they were to fire somebody for being, you know, being impaired while at work. But that's a whole different question from any sort of disability discrimination law or any sort of accommodations, because even if the employer does not have to, you know, accommodate you under the Medical Marijuana Act, they still, generally speaking, need to accommodate you for your medical conditions if there is an accommodation to give. It really seems like a catch-22 because there's different strains of marijuana. Right. And if someone is taking a strain of marijuana that just calms them down or boosts their serotonin levels mm-hmm. if they're dealing with depression or anxiety, and isn't that considered a disability that they need that to survive, much like someone would take a Prozac? Yeah, of course. And that that's a great a great comparison is that – Basically, employers, you know, they they should be looking at this in the same way they would look at any other kind of, you know, prescription substance or any other kind of medical condition and treatment. And there's a, you know, we we get kind of triggered by the term marijuana and people are either on one side of it or the other and they think it's good, it's bad. But in reality, when we're talking about these accommodations and disabilities, we just need to look at it as somebody's, you know, choice of medical treatment and the employer should be, you know, diligent and accommodating that. So it's progressive thinking that we look at it as somebody's type of thinking. So what should employers know, knowing that the law is on their side, if anything, and how they can evolve to attract employees? Yeah, well, I think the the biggest thing that I think a lot of employers should take into consideration is that the law, generally speaking, could be on their side here. But the law is also written in a way where it says very intentionally, you know, the Medical Marijuana Act in Florida does not require an employer to accommodate use in the workplace. So the employer should be careful. Am I basically policing things that are happening outside of my job or inside my job? And drug tests, at least the ones that we have currently or that most employers use, are not always the best way in the marijuana context to determine whether somebody is impaired in the workplace. Why is that? 
Well, depending on somebody's tolerance level, which can come from how often they use, their metabolism, their health, all, all these factors, marijuana can stay in your system for, you know, 30 days, 60 days, something like that. And so if somebody's getting drug tested and they, they show positive for THC on a drug test, that doesn't necessarily imply that they were impaired the day of the test. That means maybe a couple months ago they used something, but they didn't, you know, that day. So as an employee, frankly, what are my rights? So, yeah, that's a good question. Um, the first thing to do is you want to make sure you're opening a dialogue with your employer because if you're not giving them the opportunity to actually engage in a dialogue with you or to present the opportunity to have a conversation about accommodations, you may lose any rights to, to challenge their decision to ultimately terminate you. So it depends on... I mean, every employer is different. Some actually have specific questions when they're going into a drug test of, hey, are you taking any controlled substances? Is there anything we know about that may trigger on here? And if that question is on there and you think that you may test positive for, for medical marijuana because you, you have a card, you should let your employer know because that will at least trigger some sort of protections of, okay, now they're on notice that I have a disability because you couldn't have a card without a disability. And they are trying to, you know, essentially enact a policy against you that could conflict with your disability. So let's take a pause, step back, and figure out what the right way to accommodate that is. It seems like there's a lot of gray areas, particularly it becomes discriminatory in a sense, because if you look at the job application, oftentimes it'll say, have you used drugs? Yes or no, yeah. but there's no maybe or I have a medical card. So what should employees do if they're faced with that situation in your advice? Yeah. I mean, practically speaking, <clears throat> and it unfortunately is not available for every job because it depends on what you're applying to, but almost every application will have somewhere on there. If you have any questions, contact so-and-so with HR, or there's somebody who maybe recruited you to the job, or there's some point of contact you have with the company. And if you come across a question like that on an application and it's a, you know, yes or no question, and your answer is not yes or no, Contact that person, let them know, and the most important thing to do is don't lie in the application. Um, you know, I've seen that happen before where individuals will, will come across that yes or no question, and they're thinking, okay, well, I, I, you know, the real answer is I'm going to need an accommodation, whether it's for medical marijuana or something else, but I want to get this application in, I want to get the job, and so they will, you know, lie in the application and say, no, I don't take drugs, and then they'll go to the first day of work, and they'll be like, hey, by the way, I, I'm going to need an accommodation, um, or their first day of work, they'll get drug tested and it'll be positive. And in that situation, you, you may be out of luck because now your employer can say, well, regardless of the medical marijuana, the disability, you lied in your application. So we're going to get rid of you for that reason. Seems like a tremendous hurdle because oftentimes these applications are digital and you're filling it out on a job board like yeah. LinkedIn or something along those lines where there's no phone number to call. Yeah, exactly. And that that can be difficult because LinkedIn or indeed websites like that, they've, they've made it dramatically easier to apply for jobs, which is great, but it does make it so there's less of that, you know, one-on-one -on -one contact with an HR person and, and someone to speak with. So that, that can be a hurdle. Um, my recommendation there is most jobs probably have a website or a listing online. You could Google the job and you can find a number to call. And it takes away kind of the ease that happened by applying through a job board, but it does also potentially protect you in this area. You mentioned the dialogue, and I find that intriguing. So the employee comes to the employer and mm -hmm. says, hey, I need an accommodation, and he or she is excellent at what they do, but now that employer controls their destiny. 
So isn't there a detriment to the dialogue in a sense? Is it almost better to ask for forgiveness than permission? Uh, yes and no. So kind of one of the foundational pieces of accommodation law is engaging in an interactive dialogue. And what that means is that if an employer is on notice that somebody may need an accommodation and they fail to engage in that dialogue, that could be discrimination in itself, regardless of anything else that happens after the fact. And so the dialogue is actually helpful to employees because it gives you the chance to get creative, try to find solutions, and you're also, in a legal sense, kind of shielding, shielding yourself, giving yourself protection so that if the job ends up taking some act against you, or doing something that is going to be detrimental to you, you know, you have that protection in place. With that protection in place then, and as an employer, can't you turn around and say, well, if I accommodate Gabe, I'm going to have to accommodate Shirley, and then who else is going to come to me with uh, some sort of accommodation for a medical marijuana issue that I don't even know if it's real or not? Yeah, and that's, you know, I guess that slippery slope argument, I, I could see an employer having that concern, but frankly, I think that's going to happen regardless. I mean, if you just look at the changing job force we have right now, um, as you know, millennial and Gen Z generations are coming in, they're applying for jobs, the expectations are different. And as a younger job seeker, you might expect that your employer is going to be more willing to listen to you. And also, it's just kind of par for the course that, well, I expect my use of medical marijuana to be accommodated, but also everyone else's medical decision should also be accommodated because that's just expected. And if you don't do that, you know, I will find employment elsewhere. We're seeing that right now. I mean, you know, we've seen the job market now is there's a lot of openings, but also a lot of people who are saying, I'm not going to go to a job until it's the right job for me because employer employees are starting to realize they have more power. So you're almost advising knowing that there's this federal law where mm -hmm. marijuana is legal and state law or excuse me, where it's illegal and state law, where it's medically legal, mm -hmm. where there's that gray area that employers really need to adjust their way of thinking if they want to attract and retain the best and the brightest. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good way to put it. I mean, I, I want to be careful, you know, saying that I, I think any employer should definitively do this. Every job is different. You know, a, a job where you're operating heavy machinery or having, you know, some sort of job responsibilities and characteristics where there's a heightened risk of somebody being impaired, whether it's through marijuana, alcohol, any other painkiller, you know, I think those jobs are a little different than somebody who's, you know, working a, a nine to five desk job and maybe just needs something for pain in their back from sitting at a desk all day or just the anxiety of interactions of within other individuals. You know, those are different characteristics. So when does it become a disability? Hypothetically, it's a veteran with PTSD. So that's a good question. The way I typically look at it, in, in Florida at least, with the medical marijuana statute here, is it's impossible to receive a medical marijuana card in Florida if you don't have a qualifying disability. And so that question kind of answers itself. If the employee has a medical marijuana card, a doctor somewhere in the state of Florida who the state has <clears throat> licensed has said, this person's disabled, I'm going to think that medical marijuana is good for them, and the employer would be best to say, okay, look, they have a card, they're disabled, let's not get into that question. Okay, but many employers will say, I don't want to hire him. Right, and that's, that's you know, I could see that happening. Um, the employer should, should be careful if the reason for not hiring is because the individual has a medical marijuana card. A lot of these uh, accommodations laws and, and discrimination protections do apply to the job hiring process as well. Um, and if you're going to basically have offered someone employment or you do offer them a job and, and then you take away the job offer as a result of a positive drug test because of a medical marijuana card, you could still potentially be on the hook for some sort of discrimination. 
And I like what you shared about the younger employees, but what are their rights? What do you mean by that? Well, they're applying for a job. They have the medical marijuana card. And then all of a sudden their boss says, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. we're drug testing you and you failed. What are their rights then? So it depends on the job and the situation. Um, A lot of jobs, for example, jobs in the public sector, there may be some sort of appeal process. That's just, you know, in in whatever the municipality or the the state job is. Um, Private jobs probably are not going to have the same kind of appeal situations. But your right is essentially to, as long as you properly put them on notice, because if the employer is not on notice of anything, they can't really be held at fault for it. Um, but as long as you put them on notice and if they still decide to say, Hey, look, you failed a drug test. We have a drug free workplace. So therefore we're not hiring you. Your right is to basically respond to them and say, I, I understand. And look, I'm willing to either change my medication if I need to, I'm willing to, you know, somehow provide proof that, you know, I'm not impaired at work. It's something I take at night to help me sleep or for, but how do you provide that proof? That's interesting. So if you take it at night to help you sleep, and I'm not high during the day, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, knowing our drug test today. Yeah. How do you do that? So it's a good question. And I think the way to look at that is actually there's been a few propo- proposed laws in Florida that have actually been modeled off of. There's other states. I think it's 16 states plus District of Columbia. They've passed laws to protect employees in this situation where essentially in those areas, medical or recreational marijuana is legal. And so those states have followed up by protecting employees who may test positive. Um, those protections don't, do not exist in Florida yet. There's been, from my, from my review, I think there's been three different attempts to pass legislation in Florida yeah. to create those, um, those protections. And there's one actually pending right now. It was just, it was just uh, filed or, or just, you know, filed in January of 2022. Um, most likely it won't pass because the other ones didn't. Yes. But I think we can look at the language of the proposed bills for an idea. And essentially what they do is they propose a situation where employers can still have a drug-free workplace. You can still be terminated or not hired if you're going to be impaired at work or you are impaired at work. And the way we discover that is essentially by, you know, using any old legal standard. And the one that these bills have is preponderance of the evidence. So if the employer can establish by a preponderance of the evidence that you were impaired at work and the bill lists a whole, there's other ways to look through that. But essentially, it doesn't matter if you have a medical marijuana card, if your employer can prove by, and preponderance is not the highest standard in the law. It's not, you know, beyond reasonable doubt, like a criminal case. It's more of a civil standard where it's more likely than not that you were impaired at work, well, now your employer has a recourse against you. So before we wrap up, what are some suggestions, knowing that there's a lot of gray and it's not black and white, for employees and employers? So, yeah, it's a good question. For employees, my suggestion would be to, you know, be forthcoming when you need to, but, you know, don't open the door if it's not there. So, if your employer is not going to drug test you when you start a job, and, and a lot of employers are, are no longer doing that because of concerns like this or because of the cost of drug testing, um, then, you know, you don't need to disclose the medical marijuana card. And in fact, actually, um, a medical marijuana card being medical information that could be protected under privacy laws. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if your employer is going to request that information because of some sort of policy, they can, they can ask for it, but you're not required to disclose that to them. So... For employees, my recommendation is, you know, if you're going to be drug tested, be forthcoming. Let them know, hey, I have this card. It's very likely that I will test positive because of this. 
if it's possible to have some sort of accommodation where, you know, I, I either change my medication, I move on to something else and, you know, I can get, t- get tested again in 60 days when they'll be out of my system, I'd be happy to do that. Or, you know, if the employer is willing, you know, if, if we could accommodate my use, if I can, you know, is that if you can, you know, every day I, I won't be impaired at work and I, you know, I affirm and you can sign a statement saying I won't be impaired at work. And then if your employer thinks you are impaired at work, they, they would have recourse against you. Um, the idea is basically just start a dialogue, be, be creative and be willing to talk with your employer about potential solutions. Well, we've had an interesting dialogue, Gabe. You've shared some interesting points from both the employer and the employee's perspective about a subject that will continue to plague many in the workforce for a long time until something's done, mm-hmm. perhaps at the federal level. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Corey. Thank you so much for joining Can They Do That? I want to give a special thanks to our special host, Corey Sabin. For everything employment law related, please visit us on our next episode or in the meantime at our website at scottlawteam.com. Until then. <laughs>